Hello and welcome into the Fog.net podcast. My name is Michael Swain, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 Sports. We are joined tonight. It's late on a Sunday night. We're recapping Kansas football's 31-24 win over Nevada. And that means Kevin Flaherty is here with me. Kevin, let's start here. At what point did you first close your eyes during the game last night? Did you make it through the whole thing before maybe uh, getting a minute or two during a commercial break with just some shut eye? Yeah, I actually, I actually made it through uh, through fairly well. I started to get uh, shut eye almost immediately after, though, because I was watching the end of that Colorado Colorado State game, and uh, and that was when I could kind of start to feel, you know, the head starts to drop a little bit, and you do the the, the jerk up or whatever. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was late and something that, uh, that we're going to have to get used to a little bit more with, uh, with the new big 12 brethren and everything. So that's, uh, that's going to be a fun process. My understanding though, is, uh, with you actually going on the road for this one, uh, you had a chance to get out and, and enjoy, uh, enjoy Tahoe and Reno a little bit. What'd you think? Yeah, I loved it. You know, I'm from the Bay area. So, Tahoe is about four hours, three hours, 45 minutes away. So as a kid, I used to go vacation there all the time. And my dad met me out there and we went golfing on, uh, that would have been Friday. And then Saturday morning, played some more golf. And it's really cool. Like Tahoe is beautiful. If people haven't been there before, like it's incredible, um, really fun. And so it was kind of a, a fun little, you know, quality time session with, you know, me and my dad, which was awesome. Sure. And then get to cap it with, uh, honestly, like Kevin, th- for as dull as a game I thought it would be, it's actually kind of interesting. Like there's, there's a good amount to talk about tonight. Um, yeah, I think uh, uh, it's funny. Finished. You know, it, it wound up being different, like in terms of how it played out. But I think last year, going into non-conference season, we thought Houston would be the game that would be close, and it wound up being a runaway. And you wound up talking a bunch about the Duke game instead which wound up being close because duke wound up being you know an eight or nine win team and being really really good and cutting into this offseason you kind of felt like there was one tough non-conference opponent sandwiched in the middle in illinois yeah that winds up being you know somewhat of a laugher i mean i know that illinois made things a little uneasy in the second half but at the same time that game was never single digits in the second half i mean kansas still held you know that uh that margin at least all the way throughout heading into this one. I, I think most of us thought that, Hey, Kansas is going to run rough shot over an Illinois team that quite frankly, hasn't been very good. Hasn't won a football game in more than a year, September 3rd, a, a year ago, they beat Texas state. That's the last time that they won a football game. Um, and when you look at, at where they were defensively in particular, I think you kind of felt like, okay, Kansas is going to go in. They're maybe going to put up 600 yards of offense. They're going to blow out this team. It's not going to be interesting at all. And then week three happened. And, you know, right. I, I know that I know that you played some golf. I, I know, that, uh, know that you were at the game late at night, but I'm sure you saw this week was anything but a normal week in college football. And there were a lot of really weird results and a lot of results where quite frankly, teams got clipped by opponents that nobody expected at all. Yeah. Well, I have struggled my dad that it felt like the witching hour a little bit yeah. you know, at the end of that, th- those kind of the first 11 AM games, right? You've got Iowa state somehow managing to lose to Ohio. 
Then you've got the K-State-Missouri game, which was insane. Eli Drinkwitz yep. tries to throw the game away. And then uh, Mevis goes and just hits a 61-yard bomb. I can't um, think of a weirder ending to a game oh. than that one. Like in terms of, yeah, you, you get the delay of game Terrible. on your game-winning field goal attempt to sit it to 61 yards and, and do just absolutely – I mean, credit to Mevis. He ripped that thing. He had the wind in his back, which helped. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I – you could put as much wind behind my back as you want. And I'm not getting anywhere close, but you had that, you had, uh, you had West Virginia kind of handling pit. Um, yeah, you had yeah. BYU, uh, beating Arkansas. You had, um, uh, I realized that, in Ohio. Yeah. I realized that Tennessee, uh, usually struggles at the swamp. Hasn't won at the swamp since I think 2003. I think most people thought that would end this year with, with where Florida was at, where Tennessee was supposed to be at. Instead, Florida absolutely, you know, handled Tennessee. You had Alabama and Colorado State tied at three all, I think, into the, into the second half. Or not Colorado, uh, South Florida. South Florida tied at three all. Yeah. It, it was Alabama and South Florida tied at three all for a lot of that game. And, yeah. and then Colorado, Colorado. I mean, it was all across college football. I mean, if. You know, if you didn't, uh, if you didn't watch your back, you know, you were, you were in real trouble. Yeah. And I think a lot of what you see now is scheduling wise. I think a lot of teams are scheduling, you know, one of their power five games to be in week one, yeah. or week two, right. You're seeing a lot more of these now where right last year, KU was playing in that conference game against West Virginia um, this season, right. It's Illinois in week two. And it seems like kind of week three has now become yeah. the week where a lot of teams kind of schedule the quote unquote cupcake to try and get a little bit of a break before conference play starts. And I think there are a lot of teams caught in look ahead spots. And look, I think it says something too about KU that you leave a game there saying KU probably, I, I said probably like a C plus performance probably for KU. Yeah. And they're able to leave with a win where Oklahoma state played a C level or below well, game. They lost. We didn't even bring up you know, Oklahoma state. Yeah. Did we? They lost right. Iowa state lost Cincinnati lost yeah. K state lost, you know, you look up and down, right. And you, KU won the game and that's what matters. They're halfway to bowl eligibility, you yeah. know, with, with uh, plenty of games to play and plenty of opportunities to go. So I think it's just one of those where a weird game, weird situation with the kickoff time too, where, yeah. It's late, and maybe we can start there because it felt like just from the get-go of this game, there was no intensity from KU. You saw it a little bit, I think, on the first offensive drive, but then just the mental lapses really started, and I think that really set the tone for the rest of the game where, hey, maybe if you know Armaje Reed Adams isn't called for an illegal man downfield, and then I think the next play called for a holding, yep. but then basically you know just takes any sort of wind out of the sails for the offense – Maybe if that doesn't happen, you're talking about a 14-0 game and it goes a lot different. You know, sure. that's the sliding doors moments you see in these college football games where it's going to come down to who executes, who doesn't make the mental mistakes. And I think KU made those mental mistakes early on where it really let, you know, Nevada get into the game and then stay into the game. Yeah, and and credit to Nevada too. I mean, I thought sure. Nevada played hard and I thought yeah. Nevada played physically. And, you know, I thought Lance Leipold put it well when he said that they played downhill. You know, I, I absolutely thought defensively um, they played downhill and, and, you know, didn't allow 
Kansas to to run the ball or get into a great comfort level after those first couple drives. You know, the first drive, like you talked about, Kansas marches down the field, scores. Second drive, you know, you you get the first down. You get into, I think, um, was it second and ten? And I think Jalen hits um, Jalen hits Luke Grimm for like nine. Um, you have the illegal man downfield on Armaje Reed Adams. Um, you wind up basically having a, a 15 yard situation. Jalen hits LJ Arnold for 23 and there's the hold. And so, you know, and, and so that, you know, getting that stop early, even if it was a, a Kansas manufactured stop, you know, I, I think really let Nevada kind of hang around and, and say, you know, okay, we, we've got a shot at this thing. The other yeah. thing, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get here to more depth or whatever, but there were seven turnover worthy plays for Kansas. You had five fumbles and you had two passes that hit Kansas defenders right in the hands. No turnovers on those plays. And, you know, when you look at at what separates teams and, and what gives you a chance to turn a seven to three game into a 28 to three game or, or whatever else it's those turnovers and quick changes of play and, you know, momentum swings and Kansas just wasn't able to get any of those. I mean, the, the bouncing on the fumbles was quite honestly, almost hysterical. And then, you know, the dropped interceptions and things like that. And so there were mistakes. The ball wasn't bouncing your way. It's kind of a lazy night in, in Reno, Nevada, and next thing you know, you're in survival mode in the fourth quarter with a team that got blown out by Idaho. And, you know, yeah. it, it, it was just crazy. Yeah, it was. And I think you hit the nail on the head, right? I think you can compare it to the Missouri State game where that game was a little bit close and then all of a sudden KU gets the two picks and they turn it yep. into touchdowns. And now you're talking about KU covering that, that spread, right? And I think this game looks a whole lot different if they get two of the fumbles and maybe one interception. Right. Like there were plenty of times to go and make those turnovers that right can inflate scores. And when you see these power five teams going to play FCS teams or playing bottom level FBS teams, right? It's the turnovers that the other team makes because the 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 physicality they can't deal with or the speed um that the other team plays with, right? That's what forces those mistakes. And it was one of those, right? It's an oblong ball and it, it just didn't work out for KU on in this instance, but I think we probably should start with the offense because sure. I felt like at least most of the discourse that I saw and look, Twitter is Twitter and it's not <laughs> real life and not everyone is on it and thinks things like that. So, um, but it's one way to see the discourse and you could also check the message board too. That's another way you can go, but I think <laughs> the offense is what generated, I think the most discourse through kind of three quarters of the game. Sure. Um, what do you think of the play calling? Because I think from my perspective, it was like vanilla ice cream on vanilla ice cream, right? There's a little bit of misdirection, I feel like, early on in the game. And then kind of drive two, three, four in the first half. It just felt like a lot of, all right, outside zone. All right, we're going to run some um, intermediate routes. And I just think that overall it felt like KU was trying to – and you can't blame them for this, right? I think you have the dudes where it, it, this game goes totally different, right, if there are – turnovers right that the defense gets but um felt like KU tried to line up and go vanilla and beat Nevada that way and I think it wasn't until the second half when maybe some adjustments were made that didn't really work and maybe we can get into some of the 
offensive line issues too. But just what do you think of the play calling? We can get into more after that. Yeah, I mean our uh, our football coach uh, when I was in high school used to have an expression where he would say to get over the balls of your feet. You know, and basically, if you think about that, it means you know you're leaning forward, you're moving forward, you're you're playing aggressively. Kansas was over the balls of its feet against Illinois. When you looked at the way that that game was totally. game planned, when you looked at the way that they attacked Illinois and the way that they knew, hey, Illinois has got these three really big defensive linemen. If we go straight at those guys, you know, it, you know, even just for down here there, we're going to put ourselves behind the chains. And so they did things to get those guys moving. They did things – to be able to crease them horizontally, to be able to crease them vertically. And it felt like almost every play call in that game had a purpose, right? You know, where it was setting something up or it was, you know, a way to, to do that. I, I agree with you in that I definitely think that the Nevada game, it felt like they were more flat-footed from a, from a play calling in the way that they played standpoint. They weren't yeah. over the balls of their feet. It wasn't something where it was – Hey, you know, and, and it's not, you know, you see the discourse that you're talking about and, you know, people are like, well, I guess they just didn't prepare for Nevada. It wasn't that they didn't prepare for Nevada. It wasn't that they didn't respect Nevada or, or whatever else. I, I don't think Lance Leipold runs that kind of a program to that allows that to happen. I do think that it's easy to look at, at a team that's struggling like Nevada and say, if we run two posts and a go route, our wide receiver should be able to beat the guy that's, that's defending. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I, you know, this isn't blaming the wide receivers, but it, it's easy to look at them and say, you know what, they're allowing 8 billion running yards. If we run wide zone, our guys should push them off the ball and we should be able to run it. And that just wasn't the case. And, and and I think, you know, you made a really good point in terms of pointing to the creativity wasn't there. Look, we all know when Andy Kotelnicki is in his bag, right? Yeah. Like, he's having a lot of fun. You're seeing a lot of a lot of uh, sort of wild stuff. I mean, he ran, you know, basically like a swinging gate formation to one side and then ran the other way against Illinois. He was having fun with it. I don't know that if you asked him, Hey, did you have fun play calling against uh, against Nevada? That you know that was really a game that he would point to and say, "Hey, I I was in my bag." I I don't know that he really was. I thought that early on, like you said, they kept it fairly simple. And again, it's not that you didn't prepare. It's not whatever else. It's probably that you went in and just said, "You know what? Let's run this stuff. If we execute it, we'll score." And it, and it didn't happen that way. Yeah. Well, and they executed like a team that was playing at 10 p.m. Yeah. when KU is sure. a morning practice team, right? Sure. Like this is what I was thinking about when we were there. It's like, so KU practices in the morning, right? I think yeah. players I might have the timing wrong, but I think they get there about 630 in the morning, which means you're probably up about what, 545, you know? At least, yeah. So if you're thinking, you know, kind of say at six, say you get eight hours of sleep every night, you're talking about 10 o'clock. So you're talking about second quarter, you know, the players are kind of getting ready to go to bed. Yeah. And it's probably kind of hard to train your brain over the course of five days to go and perform and execute at a high level when it's just not what your body is used to. 
And it's different than playing a night game at seven o'clock, right? Like it's a totally different ball game. So I think that is one reason why probably KU didn't execute. I don't think like they should have executed because there's no excuse for it. I think it's a reason. Um, And I think too, look, the play calling. I think schematically what KU was trying to do was, like you said, Kevin, attack through the air, intermediate routes, deep routes, just go. The issue is, and this is something that the coaches talked about, was that Nevada blitzes a lot. And so if you've got slower developing concepts down the field, but you got the other team blitzing you and your offensive line can't really handle the pressure the right way consistently, then all of a sudden you got Jalen Daniels scrambling a bunch and then he's got to process really fast. And then you've got to rely on your wide receivers improvising the right ways. And so I think there are all these things that snowball, you know, kind of as that quarter, first quarter, first half went along to where, you know, just offensively didn't look great. And then I think in the second half, Things really changed when KU really started to run the ball. And you yep. saw there was like a success, you know, successive drive or plays where it was like five yards, five yards, seven, eight, nine in terms of rushes. And you just all of a sudden after that just felt like things were lifted offensively. And so I think so much you of this game. Saw, you also mm-hmm. saw the creativity come back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right with that play to Devin Neal. Devin Neal, you know, I mean, yeah. the, the the different things like that that, that open things up. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it was – it was one of those games in that, you know, we could sit here and and try and put it on any one thing, but it was all of these things, yeah. you know, sort of all at once. And, you know, I, I think that there were times when the offensive line didn't play very well. And I think that there were a couple times running backs didn't quite find their mark or, or where they were going. I think there were a couple times that Jalen actually got protected pretty well but he was sitting in the pocket for seven, eight seconds and guys weren't breaking things off, weren't finding openings or, or, or whatever else. And so it, it kind of gets spread all around it. And it's funny to think about, you know, when you, when you look at the, the final game stats in terms of, you know, the yardage and, and you know, put up by the team and, and all of those things, uh, what was the total offense? 441 yards, you wind up with 6.6 yards per carry. It's not necessarily as great as where they wanted to be, but at the same time, still pretty good. But there was that period there from what, about halfway through the first quarter, certainly through the end of the first half, where you were just kind of like, man, like this, this really just isn't going the way that, uh, that Kansas wants this thing to go to offensively. Yeah, exactly. And look, and then right, some of the creativity comes back in the second half. And mm-hmm. I think the offense looks a lot better. Um, so, yeah, I think overall, it's just one of those games where you know what KU's offense looks like when it's really humming. And guess what didn't happen, right? How many times did Jalen Daniels keep the ball on yeah. one of those read options, right? I don't think sure. there was much of a, hey, Jalen, yeah, let's go run you 15 times or 10 times in this game. It was drop back pass. I think there was maybe two runs in there where it was like, okay, yes, Jalen was the designed run on this play outside. There was a lot of scrambling. And so I think overall, you know, so much of it, right. is just, you know, get weird game. And so for yeah. KU offensively, right. I think we know what it looks like when KU is clicking and when the play calling is open and that wasn't it. And it's perfectly fine. But I think it's one of the reasons why KU did not reach that ceiling. I think maybe offensively that, maybe you would have expected against this team, but I don't know. Does it worry you at all? Anything you saw? Cause it doesn't really for me. 
No, not particularly. You know, I, I thought it was interesting. You were talking about um, narratives and things like that. You know, there were there were some people, and it was not one or two or or three people who were kind of shouting for for Jason Bean to oh, to go in. You know, in, in the in the second quarter, and you look at what was uh, what was Jalen through um, half. Was he like five for ten, something like that? Oh gee, I right around in there. In me. I wish I did. Yeah, um, I, I think he was like five for ten for forty-one yards or, or something like that. Um, sorry, just say, yep, that's that's exactly where he was at. And you know, he also had minus three yards rushing because of the sacks or whatever. And there were people who were like, "You you got to get him out. You got to go with Bean." And you know, you and I were talking about before the show. The problem with college football is that it's so short, right? It's so condensed and, Mm -hmm. you know, they work year round and and you have spring football and you have recruiting and everything else that you don't realize just how short the season is. And so if you're going to be Kansas and you're going to be the best version of Kansas this year, you need Jalen Daniels operating at peak efficiency. And so in a major league baseball season, you got a guy who's slumping. You can take him out. You can take him out of the lineup for a couple games. Let him get his head right. Let him relax. Whatever else, you, you don't have that option. You you're very limited in terms of reps, in terms of everything else, and so you don't typically pull guys like that that uh, that, that you're going to need. There just aren't that many passing attempts. There aren't that many runs. There aren't that many chances for him to kind of find his groove and and thankfully for KU because not just for the season moving forward, but because Kansas wound up getting really tested by Nevada in a major way, you know, thankfully for Kansas, Jalen Daniels was able to to find that rhythm in in the second half and and really put up the kind of game or the kind of performance that, that Kansas is, is kind of used to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, I think that probably wraps it for offense. Um, defensively, it was very interesting. Yeah. Like, I did not think Nevada was very good. Like, it just felt like there were like a couple plays that were just busts that yep. resulted in big Nevada play or big Nevada gains, right? Where there's a one play where maybe Melo Dotson could have been better in coverage deep down the field. That was like, I believe, a 53 yard completion. Um, but for me, like, I mean, you look at the numbers, right? And you, let's say the, the 50 yard completion doesn't happen, right? And you're talking about a team that threw for what, 60? 60 something yards against KU. And I think so much of what happened is I think KU just really struggled with the athleticism that Nevada had at quarterback and just the, the speed that Nevada's running back had, where I think at times the guy just hit the hole and the defensive players weren't ready. And I don't think KU gang tackled as much as you saw against Illinois or the first half against Missouri state. So I think for me, this was kind of another one of those instances where you look at the defense and say, okay, defensive line got penetration the, the the coverage was pretty sticky like they really didn't throw the ball that well and yet they put up 24 points it's just kind of a, a a weird defensive performance and game um that's kind of hard to maybe pinpoint if there's anything long term that should be you know a big worry yeah you know you look at you know Brandon Lewis threw for 113 yards and 53 of that came on one play you look at, you know, Lewis and, and, and Ashton Hayes, you know, being kind of their two top runners. They ran for, I think, 150 as a team. 
two carries, you know, Lewis's little um, escape or whatever, and, and then Ashton Hayes's longer run, that accounted for 55 yards. So you take that out and you only allowed 95 yards. And, and so chunk plays, and, and it, it's, it's funny because I, I think generally speaking, you know, you, you had the kind of the fluky quarterback escape for Altmeyer, you know, in that Illinois game. But generally speaking, I, I feel like Kansas has done a pretty good job of, of not breaking. You know, when you think of the bend but don't break, they haven't given up a, a ton of explosive plays. But against Nevada, those three plays, w- when you add them up, you know, that accounted for what? You know, more than, you know, probably not more than, but probably around half of their yards on three plays and the other 56 plays, you know, accounting for the rest of it. And so the defense on one hand, you say, Hey, you generally played pretty well, you know, and on the other, you say, well, you, you can't have those mistakes, some penalties, you know, obviously you, you think of the Austin Booker jumping off sides, you know, that, uh, that hurts. And and I think the other problem is we talk so much on here about complementary football, right. And and how important it is, you know, for the offense to feed off of the defense and vice versa. And Kansas never really had that when the offense Mm -hmm. was struggling in the first half, the defense was playing pretty well. And when the defense, when the offense turned it up in the second half and you said, okay, this is where Kansas should pull away and win this thing, you know, Mm-hmm. 35 to seven or 35 to 10 or, or whatever. The, that was when the defense started giving up big plays and started struggling and, and, you know, giving up drives and things like that. And so they just weren't ever able to really fully get the entire team operating at once. One thing I did think was very interesting though, and I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I think we would both admit that Lance Leipold is typically pretty conservative. And I tend to be more aggressive than he is when I think about things that I would do. Kansas comes up with that fourth and five at the end of the game, you know, at what, like the 35 yard line or whatever. Yeah. You're in a spot where if it were me, your offense has been marching up and down the field. You've been able to get those gains the entire second half. I think that's a situation where I probably would have put the ball in Jalen's hands and said, Hey, you get six yards. This game's over right now. And they decided to punt. They get a terrific punt, you know, and, um, and, and great coverage and, and all of those things. And it works out. The defense winds up getting a stop, but I thought it was very interesting in that situation. You know, on one hand you can say, well, he didn't think he would get the five, I look at it as I look at it as Lance Leipold trusted his defense to get that stop, and, and he was rewarded one by a terrific special teams play, and then two, the defense did wind up uh, shutting that door and, and getting that stop with with Kenny Logan uh, making the big play. And, and you know, before I turn it over to you, just how many times over the past few weeks have we seen a coach get way too cute? on fourth and short and you know they they try that end around you know off the jet sweep or whatever it gets blown up but but that was that was an interesting thing to me just because the defense had been struggling for a lot of the second half 
And Lance Leipold still, you know, on that fourth and five, he said, let's punt it. The defense will will hold them and we'll get out of here with a win. What did you think about that decision? Yeah, yeah uh, I get it. I get I get both sides. Um, I'll, I'll sit on the fence here because I, I think equally, if Jalen gets that opportunity and converts it, right, game over, cool. Yep. If he doesn't get it, you're probably sitting here saying, "Oh, well, why you don't? Oh, he doesn't. Lance Apple doesn't trust his defense. Doesn't trust the defense, you know." And then, because then, if we're talking about them not converting on that fourth down, that means Nevada just went down to score and maybe forces overtime. Maybe they go for two and win the game. You know, so then we're talking, oh, Lance Apple doesn't trust the defense. And here it's, you know, he showed you he has trust in Damon Greaves, a freshman punter, who I think his his chances to kick the you-know-what out of the ball have not gone well so far. Right? I think he's at 38 yards for both of them. But he showed a lot of trust in him to go and pin Nevada inside their own five, and he pinned him inside the two. It was great. Um, and then the defense comes out and makes a play. And look, I will – I've been critical of Kenny Logan. I well, I wear that. And he was great. Made great plays, big plays, the plays you want to see your seniors make. And that play on fourth down to put the game on ice, that was it. That's what you want to see from your, your big-time players is them coming up in big moments. So um, huge credit to Kenny for that, right? I think that, that was a really, really good play. And there's also the play right earlier in the game where he chases the guy down, forces a fumble, and none of his teammates were really like full bore steam ahead to go get the ball. And a Nevada guy was running full speed and got the ball. So I thought that was a good game from Kenny. Um, a little sidebar there. But yeah, I think it's one of those where I, either way, KU should win regardless of what they decide there. And I don't know if there is a right answer either. And that's just me yeah. saying, you know, you kind of sit on the fence with something like this because I, I don't think there is a right answer or a wrong answer, I should say. I think either one you pick, I can make a really good argument for, and it's a little bit different than I think maybe some of the other times, like last season, I remember some fourth downs where <clears throat> they were maybe in a different situation. And I don't know, this time it just felt different. Yeah. I think, I think something that's interesting about it too. And um, I actually read the stat sheet wrong earlier. Um, so, you know, I hope you're listening to the end of the end of the podcast before, uh, before you start roasting me on here, but um, through the first half, Jalen was 10 for 16 for 101. The 5 for 10 for 41, that was what he was specifically in the second quarter, not you yeah. know where he was at at halftime. Where he was in the second half, so this is where he was at heading into that fourth and five play, 11 for 11 for 197 yards. So he, he hadn't thrown an incompletion in the second half. For sure the offense is moving the ball really well. Like you said, like it wound up being a correct answer. You know, it, it's hard to say this is the right answer because I think you can say reasons why either would be right or either would be wrong. Like you said, I was just, that was curious to me because of how well Jalen was playing at that point. I think, you know, I, I know, uh, I know you're a 49ers guy. I'm a chiefs guy when Andy Reid decides to punt the ball and make the defense, you know, save a game, not necessarily this year because the defense has been really well, but I'm sitting here thinking it's fourth and three. The highlight, the best part of your team is your offense with Patrick Mahomes. Do you want 
Patrick Mahomes having a chance to win it, or do you want your defense having a chance to lose it? And yeah. Kansas's defense overall this year, I think, has been better. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think um, when you look at the defensive line in particular, it seems like they've kind of upgraded across the board in terms of how strong and how athletic and all the different things they have there. I think J.B. Brown has been terrific, you know, as as a linebacker with the athleticism that he brings. I think the secondary has played faster probably because of their increased experience and, and knowing what they're doing, the confidence level that they're playing at. And so it's not necessarily a wrong answer there to trust your defense. But I do think that if it were me, I would look at it and say, you have the Big 12 preseason offensive player of the year. He's red hot. The offense can't be stopped right now. Let's go ahead and win this on one play right here. And let's let's hypothetical real quick, and I know that we've been talking about this one hmm. part for a while. Kansas doesn't cover that punt as well as it does. Totally. The ball goes into the end zone. They're starting, what, at 25 rather than the 35, which is where you're punting from, you gain 10 yards. Totally. And so it, it worked out perfectly – and so the hypothetical doesn't matter, but at the same time, there's, there's a situation there where if that ball takes a weird bounce or, or whatever else, and you're, you wind up giving the ball to Nevada at the 25, you're saying the heck did we just punt that ball for? Totally. And I think that's where the trust factor comes in. Sure. Right. The fact that he trusted Damon Greaves to go and execute. It was a yeah. great punt and terrific yeah. coverage. It really and, was like shout out Quentin Skinner. He made some really and, big plays. And let's, you know. And let's also throw this in here, too, because I feel like we don't talk enough about special teams. Seth Keller's field goal in the first half, being able to basically mess up offensively, pull yourself out of position to to get a touchdown, and have a guy that just calmly steps up and, and drills, what was it, 43, 44? 44. 44, yeah, just yeah. drills a 44-yarder through calmly, we may talk about the defense being improved, but we talked about heading into the season. When you look at stuff like SP plus last year, yeah. the special teams were actually worse than the defense was a year ago. The special teams, I think wound up being like 126th nationally in, in, in SP plus bringing in Sean Snyder, bringing in the personnel that they did, you know, in terms of Seth Keller, in terms of Damon Greaves, in terms of um, the guys that they brought in who should increase the ability to, to cover plays, you know, just better roster depth and all of that. Yeah. That was where I thought Kansas really had a chance to make a jump because it was going to be hard for Kansas to be as good offensively this year as it was last year. They were a top 10 offense last year. It's hard to get a lot better than that. It's hard to match that. Defensively, I think they're going to be improved it remains to be seen just how improved they are. I thought the one area where you could circle it and say, this is where Kansas can take a big step forward this year in terms of going from being one of the nation's worst teams to maybe being an average or, or even a plus unit was on special teams. And uh, I thought that they've had some very plus moments on special teams so far this year. For sure. Yeah, totally. And for folks that watch kind of the post-game videos I'll do on this on the, the field afterwards, like I mentioned Seth Keller in two of the three games so far. You know, it's yeah. one of these deals where I approach special teams as just don't lose the game on special teams. Sure. 
don't lose the game there. And KU lost games there last year, last year on special teams. Yeah. Right. We talked about it so many times, right? The K-State game is one prime example. I think that TCU game too, with the number of kicks out of bounds that KU had. And yeah. you can't college football is funny because sometimes with the new transfer portal, um, players pop up and the yeah. old kicker popped up right before the KU game started. Right. And you saw a contrast, right, of a guy that had the chance to win the game for his new team, not able to do it. They end up losing to UNL, or yeah, end up losing to UNLV. And yeah. then you got the new kicker come in and kick a 44 yarder that the old guy wouldn't have done last year. You know, yeah. it's just, it's moments like that that are, are, are uh, funny is not the right word, but it's just, it's, it's college football. It's what makes it so interesting. And so I think the special teams unit's better. I think let's transition to this, Kevin. Sure. Post non-conference vibe check. Oh, oh. What are you feeling right now? Like what, out, outlook for the rest of the season. Where are you? Because now we've seen other teams play too, right? Yeah. We've seen a BYU play. We've seen UCF play. We've seen Texas and Oklahoma. We've seen other teams play now. So where are you kind of at with KU and heading into now what is going to be a, a really fun Big 12 season? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, it's funny because I, I think both you and I picked Kansas to be seven and five. We thought they'd get there in different ways. I thought they would beat Kansas State, you know, sort of sort of famously. You didn't. I, I think <laughs> I, I'm putting that down there just for you to, to be had in the comments. But, no, it's uh, looking at it and looking across the Big 12, there are a lot of games that I looked at and thought, this is going to be a toss-up game or this is going to be a more difficult game to win that now you look at it and you say, well, why wouldn't Kansas be able to go and beat Oklahoma state? Why wouldn't Kansas be able to go and beat Iowa state? BYU looked pretty good in in beating Arkansas and that's going to be a tough game. You're at home. You win that game though. You're four and oh, probably ranked, you know, heading into the Texas game. I think you'd be right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I mean, but you're four and zero heading into that Texas game. Texas has looked really, really good. Wyoming three quarters aside, um, Texas Tech hasn't hit the gear that a lot of us thought that Texas Tech would hit yet. But I still think that's going to be a really tough one. While I pick them to beat K State and still do. That's still going to be a, a really tough one. Um, but some of these other games that maybe, you know, I kind of had circled and said, ah, oh, gosh, I I just don't know. You know, Iowa State was a team that was really hard for me to predict because I it wasn't that I thought Iowa State would be terrific or anything. But how many times do you see a team go through that kind of controversy and they actually come out better on the other side, right? They band up and whatever reason. And I know, you know, Iowa state better than anybody. I like the young talent at Iowa state, particularly defensively. But when you look at at what they've shown so far and, and everything else, like why Iowa state is in Ames, Oklahoma state is in Stillwater. And that's why I keep bringing these games up because I think when we look at the schedule, we have a tendency to say, oh, Kansas has a good chance to beat UCF at home. They have a good chance to beat BYU at home, and they are favored to beat BYU at home. But now all of a sudden you're looking at some of those road trips like Oklahoma State and Iowa State, and you're saying those are games that 
before the season, maybe maybe you were a little like, I think they're going to beat Iowa State, but that game's in Ames. I think you're starting to lose the butt a little bit, right? Like, I think you're you're looking at it and you're saying, hey, if Kansas brings its – I don't even want to say – if Kansas brings a strong game to, to Stillwater and, and, and Ames, Kansas should win those games based on what those teams have shown so far. For sure, yeah. I think for me, right, I've been on this, like you said, seven and five. And, you know, I look at kind of the tier that I thought KU was going to be in heading yeah. into the season, right? Kind of around UCF, kind sure. of around Oklahoma State. Um, and, and now, right, if the UCF quarterback isn't healthy enough to play against KU, like I don't know if the, the backup there is, is good enough. And they've got good skill guys, but I don't know if that guy's good enough. And then, I think Iowa State's got some serious issues. They've got some yep. serious, serious issues. And it, the coaches don't trust the freshman quarterback, even though he looks good. And they don't have a running game. They can't run the ball. They couldn't run the ball against Ohio. Like, and yes, like Ohio returns talent, but like Iowa State's offense is going to give you nothing. And it's going to be on the defense then to do what Iowa does, which is go score touchdowns for Brian Ferentz. Um, and then you look at Oklahoma State, and that's just a disaster. Like, and so here I've been on the, those are coin flip games and I kind of lean now. Okay. Yeah. I probably would pick Kansas in those games just because of, as you get more data points, right. I think you can change your opinion. Did, did um, you see Iowa state's favorite against Oklahoma state, by the way? I did see that. I, I love this game. I love this game. <laughs> so much. I am so excited. I don't know when it is. I don't know what channel it's on. I'm going to find a way to watch you're, it. You're going to record it. You're going to gonna be terrible. It's going to be terrible. Uh, it's it's going to be like, seven to three with like two minutes left in the fourth quarter. And Iowa State's going to go like try and drive for the lead. And then they're going to like fumble it. And, oh, it's going to be terrible. But I just look at this Big 12 now, and it really does feel really wide open. I don't know about Texas and Oklahoma. Those two teams look really, really good. Um, but outside of that, you could talk me into all of it. K-State secondary might be terrible. They might be terrible, right? And KU's got a better quarterback than Missouri does. And – KU does not have a five-star wide receiver in Luther Burden, but I think their offensive coordinator is probably watching. Hint, hint. (laughs) Yeah, right. So, you know, I just look at this so much now, and I think the the optimism, right, where I think if right range of outcomes, right, it feels a lot more like that range of outcomes is sliding more and more towards, you know, seven, eight, nine, than it is four, five, six. Sure. Right. And obviously and, a lot and of this I, and I think, on health too. Well, and it was funny because, you know, what was the stat before the season started? Kansas was one of the most bet teams out there and people were For betting under. the under yeah. on, on the six. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I think if you offered those, that same bet today, you know, uh, probably those people were saying Kansas is going to lose to Illinois, you know, that are going to do all these other things, you know, yeah. Kansas is favored to beat BYU. So let's just say that Kansas beats BYU and is 4 0. Okay. Yeah. Here are Kansas's road games the rest of the year, just the road games, right? Texas, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Cincinnati. Could Kansas go three and one in those road games? Yeah. That's seven wins. I know. That that's seven, and that's that's not even talking about playing at home against some of the teams that Kansas is going to be playing at home, but all of a sudden, and, and I think 
even with those road games, like I think before the season started, like I had Cincinnati in last in the big 12 in my, in my preseason rankings. Um, I don't know that I would, would put Cincinnati last now, but they'd be probably in that, you know, bottom part of the discussion. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, you're sitting here saying, well, how likely is it that Kansas wins this many games on the road or, or whatever else. But you look at that and, and you say, gosh, if, you know, if Kansas doesn't, you know, if Kansas doesn't beat Kansas in those road games, you know, then it has a chance to, to get to, to seven wins, you know, just with that, with those three road wins there, if they wind up beating BYU and then you've got UCF at home, like you said, with the quarterback stuff, you've got a Texas tech team that, that hasn't been sort of the big 12 dark horse that a lot of us have thought. Um, we don't really know with Oklahoma. I feel like because of the schedule so far, like I think Oklahoma's yeah. looked like you would want them to for the most part, but at the same time, we'll find out a lot more about that Oklahoma team here in, in a little bit. Um, and, and Kansas state. And, and so you're looking at it, and if you ask me right now, um, I'm not sure that that I wouldn't say that I would take the over if you set the wins at – okay, let's do that. Win total, <laughs> win total set at seven now, right? Because both of us said seven and five. Yeah. Over, under, push? I probably would take the over. I, I think Oklahoma State and Iowa State, like, yeah, those games are on the road, but those fans could turn against – the team if you go over and glance if you go no 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 no, no i'm not joking kevin no you i go agree over, with you. It, you see matt campbell must get in a fight with the fan yeah, yeah like, and what and are you doing here yeah, like that was yeah. crazy yeah and all the fan yelled at him was that he was on the hot seat and he wound up getting well, held back by five people yeah which he's not but like if you go go read cyclone alert the message board where we got it 24 7 sports like the fans are kind of fed up with campbell and the la- the lack of letting the guys play, you know, and then you look at Gundy in Oklahoma state and it just looks like that there's a talent gap. There's a talent. And so gap. yeah, there's a talent. I, gap. Would. I and, take over. And let's be honest. If you're heading into your fourth game and you're still rotating quarterbacks, that's not a good sign. Is David Beatty your head coach? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So yeah. But, I, I would if, if, you, if you set that line at seven, which yeah. I mean, like I said, both of us predicted seven and five before the season. I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong. You know, it's, I, I honestly, I, I would probably go over if you ask me now, three games through the season. I probably would too. And that's the thing about college football where it's like, it's a lot different than NFL or pro sports, right? Of course. But McLean's McLean's probably on the Oklahoma State podcast right yeah. now and saying, "Man, I saw how bad KU was against Nevada. That team's gonna go five and seven, or you know, yeah." And yeah. so it's it's funny the way that 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 kind of works out. But I I do yeah. think that Kansas has something a lot of teams don't have, and that they have a really special quarterback. They have a lot of returning experience and guys who have played through these situations before. And they have a, a schedule that before the season looked really, really tough. And, and I think part of the reason it looked tough was was Illinois in that non-con. And when 
you know, and beyond that, I, I think some of those home games, people said, well, you want to win games at home, but are you going to beat Oklahoma at home? Are you going to beat Kansas State at home? Are you going to beat Texas Tech at home? And I think the way that, that I would look at it now is they can win those games at home and the road slate looks a lot more manageable than what it did before the season started. For sure. For sure. And so I think, yeah, it's been such a fascinating non-conference, I think for everyone in the big 12, right? Mm -hmm. You look at Texas beating Alabama, you know, I think just generally Oklahoma has looked dominant, but again, right. Not necessarily against like, you know, the who's who of a non-conference schedule, right? It is you're beating up on Tulsa. Um, and yeah, so I, I look at it and I think the outlook is a lot more positive. Uh, let, let's wrap up with this. Did you see what the betting spread was for the BYU game? Did you see what, did you see what it opened at? No, I, I, I think it was, I think it opened right around a touchdown though. Correct. Yes. So it opened it at seven. Okay. Before we jumped on the podcast, I saw it's already at nine and a half. Ooh. So KU's favored by nine and a half against BYU. Big, big betters like Swain are, are pounding the yeah, uh, sure. pounding the plus yeah. side of that stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, it, I I don't know. Like that was surprising. Like B, BYU is an interesting team, and, and I think that there's a chance that this could actually wind up being a, a pretty tough game. I mean, obviously they beat Arkansas, um, so you you look at it look at it that way they got down you know 14 to nothing sort of right off the bat to arkansas and then wound up winning 38 to 31 and and you look at you know keaton slovis did some good things you know they've got a big uh they've got a big running back too you know when you when you look at uh at what they want to do offensively maybe not necessarily you know the the best athletes on the back end. And so um, I think that this is a game that, that we said heading into the Illinois game, that part of the reason we were interested in that Illinois game was seeing how Kansas would potentially fare against an opponent that was going to be like BYU, at least in some respects. And and I think that, uh, I, I think this is going to be a, a really interesting one, and and especially with the game against with it being BYU's Big Twelve opener, you know, with it be with Texas being a week away and, and being you know the number three team in the country and all those things. I'm not saying it's a trap game. Nevada was the trap game, but mm-hmm. I, I actually I think that there's a lot on the table for Kansas if it's if it's able to to find a way to to win this game. Yeah, 100%. 100%. It's going to be a good game. Like it's it could be a I think stylistically. Yeah. In terms of what the two teams want to do, I think it's going to be very similar to the Illinois game and now BYU has that Illinois game of tape to look at and see how KU might try and attack them. And Andy Kornecki has extra time to go ahead and make up a game plan to add other wrinkles on top of that to change it. Um one more thing, there are going to be a lot of BYU fans there this week. Yes. I hope I hope fans understand that. It's it's like talking a lot. Like what is it? 47,000 fit in there? Like I think 15 to 20% could be BYU fans. Unless they sell their tickets this week, 
like we'll see. But I mean, Travis Goff told, literally told us on the show last Wednesday, like there are going to be a lot there and there are going to be a lot there. So I think just something to keep in mind, right? It's, I'll be fascinated to see what the crowd's like. Really, yeah, it's one. It's uh, it, it's one of those teams where you know they they draw even from outside of of their population area. A lot like Notre Dame does, mm. you know, where where every kid raised Catholic, you know, kind of kind of roots for for Notre Dame or, or whatever. At least to some extent, you know, you do see BYU pulling from different areas and, and everything else. And so there's that. Interestingly enough, um, I was just looking at BYU's stats and everything. I know we don't want to carry this too long. Um, do you remember LJ Martin from last year's class? KU offered him. He was a running back. He is uh, out of Texas. He is uh, BYU's leading rusher right now. As a, so, he's a freshman, he's a true freshman. Yeah. Interesting. Sure. Well, I know. I know the Lassiter story is going to be pretty fun. Um, yeah. Because right, yeah, that'll be really fun. Um, I think yeah, generally, yeah, I look at From, this game, uh, El Paso Cantulio. Interesting. Yeah, but yeah. K, K, you offered him. He had some some fairly major offers, but um, the two hundred and forty pound back that I was thinking of uh, hasn't actually gotten the ball a ton this year. But L.J. Martin, their their true freshman, he's uh, he's like. 6'1", 6'2", 205, 210, so still a bigger back. Um, he's uh, He's been getting the, the lion's share of their, their carries so far, so that'll be interesting. That's very interesting because, you know, we've talked about it on the show, and again, you know, I don't want to carry this thing to an hour and 30 minutes or whatever, but BYU is typically an older team because, you know, they land so many kids who, who wind up going on, you know, missions for the church and everything, so – they pick BYU. They take two years a lot of times to go on these missions, and then they arrive as as a freshman who's already you know twenty one years old or, or whatever else. And, and so, you know, to have a true freshman, you know, running back starting at, at BYU is kind of an interesting deal, I think. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, I don't know who we'll get on this week, but we'll have someone from BYU to come talk about the the Cougars. I, it's a it, I, this is why I love the new Big Twelve. So many yeah. new matchups where it doesn't feel stale, right? Yeah. And I think that's the fun part about at least the first part of this schedule for KU where, you know, you you, you play in Illinois and then you play a BYU and then you play UCF and then you kind of get into more traditional games. But there's a new flavor to this, and I think that's, yeah. I think that's really fun. I think it's going to be really, really enjoyable to watch. All right, Kevin, any other final thoughts heading into what should be another fun week? Conference plays here. No, no, it's uh, it, it is nice. It was nice that uh, that Kansas decided to give us plenty to talk about <laughs> with with Nevada, yeah. so we can do a a fifteen minute show and say Kansas won fifty six to three. Uh, the one thing I would say about that is, as you know, every coach, the thing they want more than anything else is their team to operate perfectly, right? You know, to go out not have any mistakes you know, have every single player play perfectly. But in the absence of that, they want to have teaching tape and an ability to say, hey, this is why I've been telling you this. And I think Kansas got teaching tape against Nevada where you look at it, the players know Nevada's lack of success 
you know, I, I'm sure that they know that Nevada hasn't been a very good football team. And Lance Leipold can walk into that room, have everybody's attention, and basically say to him, look, I told you that when we play clean football, we can beat anybody. And he can put up the first half from Illinois. And he says, and I told you that if we don't play clean football, we can lose to anybody. And that's the teaching tape that that he just got. That yeah. he can say, hey, we're in trouble against anybody if we don't get this thing right, if we don't play clean football. And so would he have rather everything go well and, and Kansas win 70 to three or whatever? Of course. But absent that, I, I think that he's not exactly going to be upset about having an example in a game that KU won where he can come back and say, see, this is why we tell you that we need to be clean and get our assignments right and not turn the ball over and not commit penalties and all of those things. How about you? Any, any yeah. final thoughts before next time we talk, we'll be full into the big 12 schedule. I know it'd be fun. It'd be a lot of fun. No, I think it's a lot of what you said, right? Um, a lot of opportunity for the team to learn and, the last time they had that right was after the Missouri state game where I think we both said, okay, there's definitely stuff to clean up. And then KU yeah. went out and played a really, really clean game of football. So yeah. I think obviously I think that the coaches will hope it's got a similar impact this week against a, a good BYU team. So yeah. Kevin, thank you as always for joining us on Sunday nights. For those that are watching on the YouTube channel, make sure you are subscribed to the channel, liking the videos, leave some comments Always enjoy reading those, but only if they're positive. <laughs> only positive comments. Don't attack my character. <laughs> I, I, I'm, a, I'm about to get a burner now. Yeah, you should. And then for everyone listening on the podcast apps, uh, make sure you are leaving ratings and reviews on whatever those apps or platforms are. Those definitely help us out with all the algorithms. Kevin, thanks a bunch. Talk to you next Sunday.